Welcome to the Axiom Podcast, episode 66. Today I'm here with my guest and colleague. I'm not I guess sure you're how not you really call guest. me a guest. Co-host is probably the better word for it. Uh, but I'm going to be asking you some questions today. Devin Dash, I'm Joey Brandon. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about conflict. Um, so conflict resolution and how do you handle that? It's something that every every family deals with, every business owner deals with. It's something that we see in the practice all the time. And so the question always is, well, you know, if you want a healthy culture, you're going to have to move past that. It involves some type of conflict resolution. So in, in kind of layman's terms, what are the different styles of conflict resolution? How do you go about digging yourself out of this hole where two people are going at it? Yeah, in broad buckets, you know, we have people who uh, they pursue conflict. So they're, they're your go-getters. Like anytime there's any sort of conflict, they, they just attack it head on. Like a moth to a flame. Yeah, kind of. And, and then, you know, there's variations within that style. Like some are much more aggressive and, and much more, uh, yeah, just aggressive in how they pursue conflict. And others are just more like, I, I just need to get this dealt with. Um, I, but they're, they're both can be confrontational. One is just more aggressive or, or more or less aggressive. Then you have those people, I think, who just shy away from it completely. And any kind of conflict is uncomfortable. If they can be at peace, you know, be at peace with all people, they kind of, you know, in air quotes, um, they they just want peace. And so that means, well, if I just ignore the conflict, it doesn't exist, right? And then in the middle there, you have people who, you know, whether they're comfortable with conflict or uncomfortable with conflict, I would say the very few who are comfortable with conflict. Um, you have those who, who are kind of just in the middle, sort of neutral. Like if conflict, they're not that actively seeking it out. They're not an aggressor, if you will, kind of provoking conflict, but they're also not shying away from it. They, they know that it's something that is when dealt with health, healthily, uh, it's, it's good to deal with it. It's good not to brush another rug. So in broad buckets, those are the three styles. You have others, um, you know, if you wanted to break that down. And would you say, like, from your experience, is it like a third, a third, a third? My gut tells me no, because you just said those that kind of are, are um, they're not scared of it and they kind of treat it healthily and they recognize some conflict is good. Like, this kind of seemed to be the minority. Like, where would you put the majority of, say, business owners or leaders on leadership teams that we deal with. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you add that qualifier at the end there because statistically, like I wouldn't know. I would pull the Pareto principle and say sure. 20% of people are probably pretty comfortable handling conflict. Um, I would say on our leadership teams, among the people that we work, those that we work with, we're probably somewhere, I don't know, maybe like I would say 50% who are, are more confrontational. I'd, I'd say 50-50 split. You have those who are more confrontation, maybe maybe a little bit more, if I'm being accurate, like 75-25 of those 75% of individuals we work with are probably not as confrontational. Yeah. And then you have 25% who are, you know, pretty, pretty comfortable dealing with conflict. Yeah, and we have the the job sometimes of calling out the elephant in the room that nobody wants to deal with. And I think one of the things that that we find is that once the elephant is out, the more people are are able to handle it, you know, in a healthy way. Um, but it's like it seems like getting over that hump. You know, there's a lot of people who they like dread 
the tough conversation. But once they're in the conversation, like once they cross that threshold, then they start to actually come into their own and they communicate quite well. Mm-hmm. It's almost the people who it's almost like there's a healthy way two people who can recognize that, Hey, we're both human beings and we both screw up and you know, let's just have a conversation so we can all get better. Like once you've crossed over that bridge, most people I think might fall into that camp, but it's like to get to that bridge, that seems to be where a lot of the dysfunction is. And it's either like passive aggressive or just super confrontational. And there's like probably regional differences here too. Like we are in the South. It's not, really the south not like the antebellum south it's not like you know not everywhere yes sir yes ma'am and sweet tea and that kind of stuff but (laughs) um, but it it, it's we do hear that it's markedly different and we've experienced it being markedly different than say like in the northeast where things are a lot more cut and dried or in the midwest where you know it's like well there are just some rules there's some lines you just don't cross and when you do i'm going to have the tough conversation with you no matter what you know yeah. Here, it seems to be a little bit, maybe nicey-nice, a little bit less conf- confrontational or conflict avoidance until you, you force it. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I think that reminds me. We have I've, we have really good friends who are Italian, right? And they're from an island. So their conversations as a family, their their conflict looks so different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's they're, they're so much more, um, like, color and colorful and animated in, in terms of, like, there is definitely some cultural influence that, in, that takes place there. I think if you had two New Yorkers cross, like if you were in New York, mm-hmm. like the stereotype there is you have two guys who are yelling at each other, but they're like, they're best buds. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to go have a beer afterward. Like that's, it's different in that sense. Like where we work with, we tend to not get so animated in conflict and maybe in the business setting, like that's just, especially here, that's more common. Um, but I think, I don't, I don't know, something you said earlier, too, just kind of reminded me of just really what ease, and we'll just jump in there, like one of the things that eases conflict, one of the ways you can make navigating conflict easier is just in the fact that when you have somebody who's more antagonistic or passive aggressive, right, most of the time I find like unhealthy conflict or, or unhealthy conflict navigation comes when we have personal, like when we're personally vested and not personally vested from the perspective of like, I care about reaching a resolution, but the way that this conflict, like the resolution that this conflict reaches or this we have in this conflict is directly affects who I am as an individual. It, it affects my professional life and it does those things. But to the extent that like, I care about my own credibility, my own personality, like I care about me, we tend to get muddle like muddy up the waters in conflict resolution because like I would say most often more often than not when we're when we're dealing with a conflict it's those things like well how is how is this going to make me look it's those kinds of questions from one or both parties that actually muddies the water because you get away from the actual problem. Right. You're, you're vested in how is this going to impact the way other people perceive me rather than how is this affecting the customer who's really upset right now? Or how is this affecting the performance of the business where a lot of other people are suffering? I'm, I'm more worried about the fact that if we admit that this situation isn't working out, it's going to be like a evidence against me as a, I'm a terrible manager and not a good judge of character and not right. a good leader. And da, 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 da. Right. And, and even another way you could look at it is like, how is this going to help us accomplish our goal? 
or like, how is this helping? Like, how, how can we get through this to, to better, you know, pursue, get it, get back on track towards our purpose. And the thing that we, like, we all joined together to do anyway, like everybody volunteered for this job at one point. Well, I mean, that's a, I mean, we could park there for a second and just talk about how much easier conflict, but perhaps, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but how much easier conflict of uh, resolution can be when there is a goal, when mm-hmm. there is a vision, well, we, you and I would say a vision for the business, there are the values that govern our behavior, but, and then we also have like, there are goals for the year, there are priorities for the quarter. And you think of, I think of like healthy conflict resolution uh, in situations where there is a, like an immediate goal and there's something getting in the way of that. So like a, if you're on a sports team, right. And somebody's not doing their job on the field and it's like, look, you're not cutting it. You're out. This person's in. And at the end of the game, when we're, you know, debriefing, you know, maybe we won, maybe we lost, but everybody knows it's not, we don't, it's not that we don't like you as a person. Right. It's that this was not your best day. Yeah. And we needed everybody to have their best day out on the field. So we put somebody else out there who was going to have a better day than you were. And I mean, I don't know how much of that translates to business, but certainly a lot of, I'd say there's probably two main areas that we, we experience conflict and it's either somebody not behaving the way that we would want them to behave like a values type issue, Mm -hmm. or it's a performance issue. Like you're just like, it's not your best day. And we have to have a hard conversation about that. But in businesses that don't have defined values so that there's a way to say you either are or not acting the way we want or businesses that don't have a goal, man, it's got to be a lot tougher in those situations to deal with conflict because who's to say it's bad? Like what's the standard for good or bad? Yeah. And I would add to to that, you know, even just having that shared purpose, like when we have a shared purpose, something outside of the individual, like the goals of the business, but kind of, I don't know, Simon Sinek always talks about why, like the origin story and like how that influences and shapes what the business does going forward. Like when we have a shared purpose, all these other things become inconsequential. You know, you can absolutely have a bad day, but that that becomes inconsequential, not because it doesn't matter for the business, but because ultimately it's like, I don't have, I'm not taking that personally because I have that shared purpose. And I don't see you coming to me going, Hey, you know, you're, you're failing as like, you go back to what you said earlier, like you're not failing as a human being. It's just like, you're not cutting it and you're not going to help us get where we want to go. But from the, on the receiving end of that, it's like, Oh, okay, man. Okay. I can take that. We can resolve this. We can reconcile. We can move forward because ultimately I have, I share the same purpose as you guys. I share the same, you know, vision. I share the same goals. We want the same things for the same reasons. Right. Shared why. Yeah. And and really what happens in those situations is you get people moving, like you, you move from sitting across the table at each other to sitting on the same side of the table. And, you know, a good friend said to me, like, the problem is in the center of the table and the better you can get at moving to the same side, the, the easier it is for you to reach a resolution and resolve conflict. I know that friend yeah. because he says the same thing to me about <laughs> once a month. There you go. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a great analogy. That, and the, the illustration that he's often used with me is, you know, like, here's the, here's the problem that we're dealing with. 
and here's you and here's me and we're looking at the same problem but from different perspectives mm -hmm. I, I can only see my side you can only see yours and if we can get to the same side and actually move around the problem shoulder to shoulder we can see all sides from the same point of view yeah. and that that requires something you were alluding to earlier you kind of have to give up your personal stake in it yeah. like i'm not i'm not worried about what this is going to say or not say about me um, but the interesting part about that is that it's really not the problem that we're prioritizing in that situation because I, so let's get fully transparent Yeah, yeah. where this illustration gets shared with me. I don't know if it's the same with you, in but there's one particular <laughs> relationship. It's with my, my wife right. and uh, this friend of ours, Doug Pohl, hopefully you're listening, Doug. Uh, he's, he's a great mentor, great coach. And uh, he meets with each of us and you know, he, his, what are we prioritizing in that? We're not prior. We don't care about the problem. I mean, yeah. we do care about the problem in the moment, but the reason that we are trying to work out the problem is because we really care about the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so how do we translate that to business? Well, how many teams do we work on where people are like, I don't care about the problem. I care about you and working with you to on the problem so that you and I understand each other better. Yes. The problem's important to the business, yada, 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 but the problems are going to come and go. Mm -hmm. What's really important is the relationship that we have. So can we act in a way to address this problem so that our relationship is not just preserved, but it's actually strengthened. Yeah. And I don't know that that's something that, uh, we deal a lot in the context of business where we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah the problems, the problem, we're, we're going to fix the problem. How's your relationship with this person? Because the problems are going to come and go. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about somebody you want to work alongside for the next 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years. Let's handle the problem in a way that preserves that. Yeah. And it's not sweep it under the rug. You know, so like, so what are some of the tactics? What are the tools or what are the, the common methods that you, if, when you find this, like, how do you resolve it? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the word tactics. So another personal story, my wife and I did counseling earlier on in our marriage. Uh, we did premarital counseling, but then we went into counseling. And probably the most helpful illustration, I'll never forget this, and I love the movie, um, that our counselor shared with us for like navigating tactically, navigating conflict tactfully, was he pulled in the, an illustration from The Hunt for Red October. Great, probably the greatest movie right. of all time. Sean Connery at his finest, <laughs> yes. right? And, and young Alec Baldwin. <laughs> but the the particular scene that he shared with us, and I think it's such a strong, it was a strong illustration for me then, and it continues to be something that I continue to go back to, is it, it's a scene in the movie where they're being fired upon by a torpedo. And Sean Connery, Captain Ramius, turns and tells the, the captain of the ship, I want you to point... Three one five, right, and that's a number of degrees because they're using a compass. And he says three one five. Now you don't get this from me resharing it, but if you've seen the movie, like everybody on the ship and even at like central command, is completely flabbergasted that he would tell them to go this direction because it's pointing directly at the torpedo. Like he wants them to pursue the torpedo head on, like not not run away from it, but right. to pursue it, and. Meanwhile, this is going on, like Alec Baldwin is on the ship because he's a guest, he's visiting, and he wrote a book, and it was all about... He's the PhD nerd right. that understands naval tactics. The ivory yeah. tower guy who, who understands the best tactics. And Sean Connery tells him, and like Captain Ramey says, yeah, your book, all of the presumptions you made, they're rubbish, like bad, bad stuff. Meanwhile, he's the guy going straight towards this torpedo, and 
the the scene plays out. Everybody's bracing for impact. They're they're you know saying their prayers. They're they're getting ready for total catastrophe. And you hear in the movie like they hit the torpedo and it's just a thud. And then you see the cutscene and the torpedo is falling to the bottom of the ocean. And the, the illustration is important because uh, Captain Ramius's tactics were to approach the pain head on. Like at this point in the movie. The torpedo is going to hit them no matter what. But in turning towards the torpedo and to- turning towards what could have been total catastrophe, he actually prevented the torpedo from arming itself and causing more damage. Right. And so the illustration that they shared with us is like you everything inside of us, whenever we see conflict and this, I, I would say this goes for most people, whether you are comfortable with conflict or not, like we tend to want to run away from it or mm-hmm. we tend to want to maybe sidestep it or 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 try to to not get the pain that's coming you know the perceived pain but when we do when we per- approach the pain we actually lessen the blow and so we can do like when we think about conflict and navigating it like we should approach it tactfully and we should approach it not run from it not sweep it under the rug ultimately you know potentially causing worse problems down the road um or by approaching it head on in a way that's not tactful, we end up hurting people because they have, you know, they, they don't respond to conflict in the same way that. So it is, is it do. as simple as just saying, I have a problem with you in this situation? Like, how do you, how do you approach? So it's uh, buy into the takeaway of like, don't run from it. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't avoid it. Don't try to sidestep it. Let's just face it head on. Yeah. Uh, how do you do that? Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many different tactics. I think, Humility take is a great way to navigate conflict in that way where you're going towards the problem head on, but you're not, but you're not approaching it from a hostile or aggressive stance. And I say humility and like, so, so what that looks like for me is I, another lesson I learned from a pastor of mine that I had was never underestimate the power of, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And he didn't say that because like, we, we sh- like may- there might be some points in conflict where we don't have to apologize or there's nothing to be sorry for. And maybe that way comes. But his point was, if at all possible, if you can find something to apologize for, if there's any way that maybe you not something that you did, you maybe you didn't do something to harm the other person, but maybe it's something that you should have done that you didn't do. An act of omission. Right. Exactly. So. To his point was, if, if there's anything at all possible that you can apologize for, say, hey, I'm, I'm apologize and ask for their forgiveness and then be quiet. And as they talk about that and the convert, the door opens up for conversation and communication, like say, you know, there is going to become a point where you can say, I also like, can I, can we talk about this though? Because this is something that I, I, I don't want to continue to come between our, our relationship, right? Emphasize the relationship. And apologizing first, get like most people, I'll say genuine people or, or people who tend to be well-intended will take that act of humility, that, ta- that act of um, not submission, but that act of just posture, not, not posturing as an open door. And then that allows for conversation and, and they'll probably be thinking of ways, man, is there anything that I should apologize to this person for? Now, that takes a lot of assumptions, but... The assumption that somebody else is going to be apologetic in return is way better than me approaching the conflict head on with with my defenses up and my, you know, 
prepared for guns blazing type <laughs> confrontation. Um, and if it doesn't go that way, like then, okay. Like we, we can certainly sidestep it and approach the conflict at a different time, but at least, at least we've bridged the gap to, to, to reconciliation. We've, we've bridged some of that gap. Um, so yeah, to say it simply like a, a posture of humility Take the log out of your own eye first before you start trying to, to pick apart the speck that is in another's eye. Um, the other the other thing is defi- like work towards defining the problem. Hey, I, I I see this and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Not not confrontational, not hey, hey, you this. You know, hey, I, I feel like this or I think this. What are your thoughts? Give them the opportunity to speak up. And another helpful tool kind of as you navigate that is this, what I, what I like to call the setup, right? And this is in text lingo. It's hard to communicate over the radio, but it's spelled S three because that's an E in text lingo T U P. Right. And so the S three is intentional because it's silence, silence, silence. And the reason you have that is like, we, I think we all, this is a big assumption, but I think we've all been in that situation where, we approach somebody and we get, we get ready to dabble in the conflict and talk about the conflict and maybe they're a little bit hurt, right? They're stressed. They're not thinking clearly. Maybe they're preparing for a fight, right? Whatever that is, our, more often than not, when we're responding to some sort of conflict, our brains are reacting. We're reacting. And the part of our brain that's reacting is the amygdala. And so this is you know, neuroscience and it's super fancy, but basically the amygdala is the size of our thumb, the tip of your thumb. And it's a three-dimensional shape, the size of our thumb. And that is where the fight or flight response comes from. So when there's conflict, we're responding with a portion of our brain that's about the size of our, our thumb, right? It's comforting, right? Right. So you get the pictures, like when somebody is responding out of that, like the worst thing you can do is respond with that same size of your, you know, part of your brain, the best thing you can do is give them time to like, let the natural chemical reaction that's taking place and and the hormonal reaction that's taking place in their brain run its course. And you do that by being silent and active listening, you know, of responding with head nods, maybe not even saying anything. So it's not necessarily because I mean, I think some silence can be viewed as like stonewalling. Right. So like you, you said, you made an important caveat there, active listening. So what do you mean by active listening? How is that different from stonewalling? Yeah, I would say active listening is using certain techniques to let the other person affirm the other person that you hear the words that are coming out of their mouth. So nodding your head, yes. like good facial expressions, not rolling your eyes. You know? Right. <laughs> so not all silence is created equal. Right. Open, open your posture. So if your arms are crossed, like uncross your arms. You know, put them down by your side or rest them on your lap. Let them like lean in a little bit and show them that you're listening with, with your body posture. But also a tool that, that I think we've mentioned many times on the podcast before, which is mirroring, right? And that is when somebody says something to you in, in a conversation, maybe it's, maybe it's your wife and she goes, you know, I just, I just get so frustrated when, when it seems like all you ever do is read books and you never take out the trash. And you might say, take out the trash? Now my wife gets on me for this because like she's hearing, she's, she's listening she's for it now, the right? So she's clued into the secret <laughs> and she's listening for it. But when you say like taking out the trash, it's a more often than not, it's an inflection in your tone to say, Hey, I'm listening. Right. Tell me more about that. 
And so that's a really helpful tool for active listening. And the other one is labeling. So if somebody is just going off, if you can label what they might be feeling, if they haven't said it, that's a super helpful tool for active listening because you're trying to come to conclusions that they're trying to communicate. So, you know, it, it sounds like you're really upset. You're, don't say that because they are upset. It sounds like you're frustrated right. with me or it sounds like you're... It sounds like you wish I would do this. Right. Right. That's a great way for them to say, oh, yeah, like, yes, that's you. You do hear me. Thank you. So silence and active listening kind of go together. So S3 and then T is thanking them, right? Thanking them for like opening up their, your eyes to this blind spot. If there is indeed a, a, maybe it's not a blind spot for you personally, but maybe it's something that you didn't see that they have seen, right? So in the business context, thank the people who are bringing complaints against you for, for their feedback, because that's how we get better. Right. So we've been talking about examples that have to do with like spouses and marriages, but let me give you one from a business perspective. So let's say that we have a business owner and we, you and I like the org chart slash accountability chart, uh, because it identifies what the roles and responsibilities are for each person. And it also defines like who's responsible for that person's success or failure. You know, like I, so I've got my direct reports and they've got their direct reports. But let's say we've got a situation where the business owner has given responsibility to somebody else in the business. Maybe it's their, maybe it's their uh, CFO or their controller. But then they're like going behind that person and they're like, hey, like, uh, don't pay this bill. Don't pay that bill. Or I need you to, I know we have a policy for extending credit, but I need you to like short circuit that and just let this company buy whatever they want and don't worry about it. And they're making it very difficult for the person that they've entrusted and made responsible to actually do their job. And it's creating this conflict. So you're the CFO. What is your approach? How do you, how do you meet this head on? Yeah. So immediately in that situation, it appears to me that there's an expectation that I'm, I have an expectation and then there's a different expectation. And I think from my perspective as a CFO, I want to do what's best for the business owner in the company. And so maybe I'm just going to assume that the business owner has their best interest, like has the best interest of this company in mind. My first, my first thought is go to the business owner and ask a question. Hey, is there anything that I'm missing? Because I would really, I, I really want to do things the right way. I want us to be on the same page, but you know, some of these, some of these things have been happening, right? And use a couple of explicit examples, right? And then let listen, right? And if the business owner says, oh yeah, you know, that was a one-time thing, but you know, um, yeah, well this thing too, there was a, there was a really good reason for it and it's not the policy, but yes, it's, I just wanted it done right now you get, you have the open opportunity then to say, to move that conversation forward. Right. So the way that I then would approach it, you know, whatever the business owner says, the way that I would approach it as a CFO is then, again, ask the question or say assertively like, hey, well, I really want to do well in this job. Right. And we we have previously agreed that these policies and these these processes are the process for good reasons. You know, whether it's we had vendors that were, you know, we had to write off a lot of money from because they didn't pay their accounts receivable or whatever. Like, and so I just want to make sure that you understand it, like my, that's my, my intention, you know, let the conversation take its course. And it'll probably be a little bit longer because you're valuing the relationship. Right. And then you just, you have to say the hard thing, which is, 
I feel undermined or I feel like I'm not able to do that my job well or I feel I feel devalued or I feel discounted or whatever that feeling is, get really good at labeling feelings because it's probably or pull out a value that that is inconsistent with whatever the business owner or executive is doing and say, help me understand how this is can like, I just, I don't see it. I, I do. I don't think we need to continue to do this or yeah. I don't think this is a good idea. I think you, there's, you gave a few really cool kind of um, good takeaways there. Pragmatic takeaways. Number one, you said you started with, is there anything I'm missing? So like right out of the gate, you took that posture of humility. You know, you didn't say you keep doing this and you're making my job difficult. And I don't know how you expect me to do this if you keep screwing around and, and doing things you're not supposed to do. Right. So mm-hmm. by coming to and saying, is there anything I'm missing? You're not rocking the person back on their heels or like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they feel like they're having to defend themselves. They're actually like, what would you be missing? You know, so they're you're actually giving them an opportunity to lean in by being humble and then the other, you said, give explicit examples. I mean, how often do we see conflict where mountains are made out of molehills because somebody had a certain sentiment, but when you're like, but it, tell me exactly what happened. And then when they're actually telling you what happened, they start to realize oh, it probably wasn't that big of a deal, but now they're vested, you know, and mm-hmm. the mountain just gets to be bigger and bigger and bigger. But like that, that advice to give specific examples, don't just talk in generalities, because I think one of the things that you hear a lot all the time is like always and never. And I remember Jim Ensminger, yeah. uh, I remember him saying he's one of our clients, great leader. And he's like, what me and my wife decided early on that there were two words that we were going to banish from all of our arguments. And it was always and never, you know, cause it's always, like, you always do this and you never do that. And right. that's not true. I mean, always and never, those are, those are pretty hard edged terms, but if you can give specific examples, uh, it goes a long ways to cutting down the amount of time you spend trying to figure out what the issue is or what the behavior is that's causing the issue. And the last thing you said that I think was really cool is you said, it's probably going to take a little longer because we're concerned about the relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a, there's a really good point that underlies all that, which is you can't just knock this stuff off. Like it's on your to-do list. You have to be intentional about making the time for and things as simple as where you choose to address this conflict can have a really big impact. Like you don't want to do it where other people are going to be listening in. You don't want to do it maybe where you're going to get interrupted 14 times because that person's going to finally get to the point where they're able to share with you exactly what they're feeling. And then you're going to give your attention to somebody. I mean, how many meetings have you and I've been in when the, the bookkeeper comes in, I just need you to sign a check. You know, I just need you to sign this and just need you when you're, you're in the heart of trying to, to address conflict mm-hmm. and you stop them pouring their heart out to you to sign a check, probably not good. Right. <laughs> so, um, Give us maybe one last takeaway around where you see this having the the biggest impact on small businesses. Like when we think about the world we work in, you and I work in uh, teams, leadership teams that are maybe anywhere from four, five, six, up to 10 to 12 people. And if we're addressing conflict, if, if you and I are seeing conflict, a lot of times it's conflict in that room, right? And so what would you say to somebody who who maybe has uh, another person on the leadership team that they work alongside 
And that person just continues to do things that either make their job more difficult or they feel like devalue their position. What would your advice be to them today in, in order to take a next step to, to resolve that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the best thing to do is to to approach it from the again. It, this it's conflict resolution is done best when we we have the posture of humility, I think. And in that situation, like there's got to be a private conversation that comes alongside where you like maybe not even a private conversation first. You first are taking a step back, and you're as, as cheesy as, as it is, as it sounds is like, look from, look at everything from their perspective, because you, the reason we have conflict with people is because there's different idea there, there's diversity, right? We have different ideas about what we need. We have different ideas about what our goals are. We have different, we might be competing for the same resources of time and energy and like might maybe financial resources in the business. And so we have to acknowledge that those things exist for both of us. The other thing that kind of, again, that goes with the saying that's, that might be kind of cheesy, but we walk in their shoes, is realize that you, while you might have this, per, this, this person's your arch, ne arch nemesis, are other people in the room, do, the, do other people in the room have the same sort of contention with this individual? Right? Does the business owner have contention with this individual? Do, do, because if they don't, if they get along just fine with them, right, then the saying goes, it's not them, it's you. It's probably true mm -hmm. because there's three other people or four other people or five other people in this room who get along just fine with that individual. And so that might involve some soul searching where you, you're going, okay, what exactly is it? Um, and then if not, like the, if, if it is you or, or whether you reach that consensus or not, a conclusion or not, then go have a frank, trans, transparent conversation with them. Right? Do you want the relationship to be better? Do you want to come to work every day? Do you want to sit in leadership team meetings with this individual and have the same contentious relationship? Certainly not. Like, mm -hmm. And if you do, you probably need to check yourself <laughs> whether or not you're in line with those company values. Right. And if you do, like, then approach the conversation from that perspective and say, hey, look, like, I think that there is some conflict in our relationship. And as leaders, like, I just don't think that's healthy for us. I don't want that anymore. Help give me feedback. Mm -hmm. What can I do? Like, what am I not seeing? Like, and maybe they feel the same way. They just maybe haven't approached it yet or, mm -hmm. you know, kind of call that, call that issue out. It's good advice. Um, I think if, if people were to take that advice and sit down and try to put themselves in the other person's shoes, some of the the other advice you gave earlier, like if there's any room whatsoever for you to bring an apology to the table, mm -hmm. that's when you're going to find it. You're not going to find it when you're thinking about all the reasons you're right and they're wrong. You're going to find it when you're like, well, let me look at this from their perspective. Let me sit down and say, if I were in their shoes, how would I feel about the way I've been treating them? And and it's entirely possible you'll be able to go in and sit down and say, you know, I, there's something I just need to get off my chest. And I don't know if you've been feeling this or not, but I probably haven't been treating you up, 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 up. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry. And I, I hope, you know, obviously you and I have some stuff going on. Um, I just want you to know I want that to get better. Right. Yeah. I mean, can't, can't get more humble than that. Right. Uh, yeah. And that goes full circle. Right. Because then what, what is the primary impetus for that conversation? 
It's because you're on the same leadership team. We're collecting the paycheck from the, you know, the same person signs both of your paychecks. And you probably have a seat on that bus because you are a key piece in dri- helping drive the organization, helping grow the organization and, and reach its desired goal, yeah. its, its vision. Well, yeah, and that's the, the maybe the wrap up and just say that all this is made easier when you know you're in a safe place. Yeah. If you're not worried about, well, it's me or him, you know, so one of us has to come out on top because the other one's not going to. No, we're both going to be here for a long, long time. Yeah. Let's figure out a way to work together and enjoy our days together. So, Great stuff, man. Thanks. You're really good at this, by the way. <laughs> well, we've had some practice, haven't so we? So on the next episode, we'll have Faith, and she can give her perspective on <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she, she will not be. No, she's, if, if that's the, your prerogative. Uh, all right. Well, good stuff, and uh, we'll see you back here next week for episode 67. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>